We are starting a brand new series this week, and we are going through the book of Jonah. And if you've never read uh, the book of Jonah, it's a short book. It's only four chapters, and uh, it's a famous story. I mean, most of you, even if uh, this is your first time to church in a long time, Jonah's a famous story. There's VeggieTales movies about it. It's uh, a story you probably heard in Sunday school if you ever went to Sunday school. It's a, it's a very popular story. It's often thought to be a, a children's story, but, but really it's far from that. Jonah's not a cute, fun children's story. Jonah really is a very controversial book and a confrontational book. It's a book that really is meant to dig into your heart and make us question things and make us ask ourselves some really intense questions. So Jonah is often thought as just this, oh yeah, it's this fish and this guy, you know how cute he got swallowed and spit out. That's really uh, dear and tender, but it's not. It's a very um, powerful book that confronts us in the places we are. Jonah's a book that that says this, it says that the most religious people, that the, the people that are often uh, found to have grown up in church or are closest to God, the people that, that would say they know God the most, the people that have lived God with life the longest, the people that are, are the most religious, most committed, are often the ones that actually miss God. The people that have lived their whole lives seeking to follow God and serve God and, and be a part of God's family, those are often the people that actually are most in danger of missing who God is, of totally misunderstanding God's heart and God's intentions. They, um, there was a, a Bible, as a Bible, there's a, the Gospel Transformation Study Bible, which is a, a great study Bible if you don't have one. It says this about just kind of what the book of Jonah is about, and I love the way that it says this. It says Jonah is about the disturbing possibility that having pledged our life to God, we could end up spending much of that life avoiding the God we set out to serve. You may have already discovered this strange contradiction that lies at the heart of all Christian experience. While loving Christ, you find yourself turning from him. While trusting Christ, you often battle fear and anxiety. While serving Christ, you sometimes struggle with disappointment about certain events in your life. You are not alone. And that is what the book of Jonah is about. It says that the most familiar, most committed, most religious oftentimes actually experience an avoidance of God, a running from God, disruptions in their relationships with God. And I've known many people that would say, yes, this is exactly true of me. Maybe I've grown up in church, maybe I've lived around Christians my whole life, and yet I do find that there is this part of my heart that feels distant from God or wants to be distant from God. Maybe actually you've uh, grown up in church or this is your first time coming back to church in a long time and, and that has been your story and this is actually really hard for you because that's where you've been. And Jonah is a book that speaks to that place. It's written to that place and it will confront us if that's where we find ourselves and it will lead us to experience something better and reveal to us God's heart. So to begin with this book, we have to understand we have to understand the dynamics of this running, this avoiding God. What goes into play with this? Whether you find yourself maybe wanting to run from God or avoid God, or maybe you have found yourself in that place in the past and didn't necessarily understand why. As we begin with this first chapter of Jonah, we need to understand, and this is what we'll be spending time doing today, understanding the dynamics of running from God, of avoiding God. So let me read this first chapter, and then we will uh, talk about this. Here's what it says. Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, 
the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. It's really hard to say that word, and it's in there a lot. Um, Away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that's like rolling dice, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us. On whose account this evil has come upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? What people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you, that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, before we actually get into understanding some of the dynamics of running, some of the dynamics that lead us to avoid God, let me just say something about the fish, because um, if, you're not, uh, if you're not a Christian or maybe you're skeptical of the Bible, and this is part of the reason why is stories like this, or, or maybe you're just not sure what you believe about this kind of thing, and it can kind of, before we even talk about any of it, go, well, this is a story about a fish eating a dude, and that just, I can't believe any story that would talk about that. How could that be important at all? So let me just say a couple things. First of all, um, is this, it, it, it's... There's a lot of crazy things that happen to people. So it doesn't say that Jonah was in the belly of the whale and was watching TV and had a big, nice, comfy sofa and was relaxing and it was this great, wonderful experience and he rated it on Airbnb and was like, oh, this is, you know, not, not, too, not too bad. It says he survived, right? Like, have you ever seen 127 hours where the dude is, like, stuck in the rock and he ends up drinking his own pee and cutting off his arm? Like, that probably was similar to what Jonah went through um, in the sense that it doesn't mean that, hey, it was this wonderful, luxurious experience that he survived, okay? So that's the first thing. The second thing is this. It's a miracle. 
Like, there's a lot of stuff the Bible talks about. Jesus walking on water and dead people being raised from life and, and God creating the world and a lot of things that if any of that is true, then it's really not that big of a deal that God could send some sort of fish and swallow a dude and spit him out and he's okay. Like, that, that to me is not that big of a deal. It doesn't say that, hey, this is just a normal event that, yes, of course this kind of thing happens, that fish eat men and they spit them out, and yeah, haven't you ever seen that? Hasn't, haven't you ever been terrified of your goldfish, that it was going to jump out of the bowl and consume you? It doesn't say that, okay? So it's a, it's a miracle. It's something that God chose to do, and that's kind of the point of the story. So if, if for you this is an obstacle to believing anything the, the book has to say, I, I don't, I don't want to go into all the dynamics of a fish's belly and how it can you know, sustain a man for three days or anything like that. It's just, hey, if God chose to do this, if there is a God that has power and can do what he chooses to do, then really it's just that fits in line with this. Okay, so moving on. Here's what we need to understand about running. Here's what we need to understand about avoiding God and the dynamics that may lead to that in ourselves. We, we need to begin with this. How are we like Jonah? And to understand that, here's just a question we need to start with. When do we run from God? When do we run from God? Because Jonah would have been somebody that was living a great life. Yeah, there's only one other reference to Jonah in the Bible, and, it's, and it talks about him having a successful prophecy. So he prophesies about some things that God is going to do in the kingdom, and, it, and it, it comes to pass, which was the ultimate thing for a prophet, right? If you're a prophet, you want what you say to come to pass. If you don't, you get killed, actually, in their law. So you want what you say to come to pass. You want to listen to God and lead people into what God has for them. And the only other piece that we get of Jonah is that he did that and it happened. And so, and, and it led to flourishing in their kingdom. And so he, he's a guy that, man, has, has got some stuff going for him. He's a prophet. He's somebody that hears from God and listens to God and, God and guides God's people through that. And so life was good for Jonah. Life was good for him. Maybe even in some ways he would have been a celebrity. He would have been someone that people really looked to. He would have been somebody that people really uh, respected. He got free meals and free drinks when he went into his local Applebee's and whatever else, right? Because people liked him. They, he was a guy that had been faithful to God and followed God and led God's people. And life was going good for Jonah. He enjoyed his city, enjoyed his people, he enjoyed his, his race, he enjoyed those around him. He enjoyed life with God. And stuff was good. Stuff was good for Jonah. And it says, the word of the Lord came to him. And it says, but he didn't listen. But how many other times, how many other times do you think he did listen? We don't know, but I mean, this is the first indication we get that something goes wrong with Jonah. I mean, God probably spoke to Jonah a lot. And he listened to God. And he followed God. But then a hard call comes. Then God asks him to do something difficult. And it exposes what's actually there. See, Jonah would have lived a life that was good and pleasant. And he listened to God and he obeyed God and he did what God had for him. But then God asks him to do something difficult. Then God asks him to do something hard, and that exposes. That exposes what's actually there. That exposes what's actually going on in Jonah's heart. See, we live our lives. 
we live our lives and we, we believe, man, God wants us to be happy and God wants us to enjoy life. And, and a lot of times stuff is going well for us. A lot of times the things that we desire and the things that we want, it's, it's lining up. And then God interrupts. The job doesn't start to work out the way we hoped the job would work out. Our family changes in some way. Kids rebel or, or there's family changes, divorce, or there's, or there's sickness that happens. And you go, I wasn't planning for that. Or friends that you start to develop relationships with and get close with leave. They move. And now you find yourself lonely and you find yourself wanting community. That our life goes well sometimes. And then something changes. Something happens. Jonah, it was going good. And then God interrupts the plans that Jonah had. God interrupts the direction that Jonah's life had previously been going. God interrupts the happiness that Jonah had been feeling. God interrupts the status and the respect and all of that that Jonah has with a hard call. And it exposes what's actually there. See, because a lot of times this is how we live. If, if what we desire aligns with what God says, then it's great. If our life and our plans and our happiness aligns with what God says, then we feel great about God. When God says, hey, you should uh, love your family, we go, well, that's awesome. I want to love my family. And God says, hey, you should, uh, you should take a day off and rest. We go, that's God. You are so nice. That's awesome. And God says, hey, you should, you should receive grace when you fail. And we go, that sounds beautiful. And what we want, when it aligns with what God wants, oftentimes life goes great. Because our desires and his desires, it seems to be on the same page, and everything's clicking, and it feels good. But then, God often calls us to new things. And it's when we disagree with what God says. It's when our will and his will isn't aligned, when, when what he asks us to do, we actually go, I don't know about that. That's outside of what I'm wanting to do. That's different from what I've been planning to do. If what God says and what I want, they come together, that's beautiful. But when God speaks and it's different, when God speaks and it's difficult, when God speaks and it's something against what we would want to do, maybe even we disagree with, when God speaks and it's something challenging to the plan that we have set out, planning uh, when, it, when it's different from what, what we have set our desires or our goals or our happiness on, when it's different from that, that's when it actually exposes what's there. If you obey everything that God says that you actually agree with, or that is already in line with what you want, that's easy. It's when God speaks, and it begins to challenge what we feel. It's when God speaks, and it's different from what we've planned. And we need to have some empathy for Jonah, because what God was asking him to do wasn't easy. God asked him to go to Nineveh, which Nineveh was, you can you know, look it up historically, Nineveh was this evil, awful place. They had perfected skinning people alive while keeping them alive so that they would have maximum suffering. They would pile up the heads of people that they cut off just to say, like, hey, look at these heads or something like that. Um, they, they were evil people. 
They, they had perfected horrific acts. They were known as torturers and awful people, and their worst, like, sworn enemy was Israel. So this would be like God asking uh, some, someone back in, you know, the 40s, asking a Jew to go into Nazi Germany and say, hey, I want you to preach against all these people and tell them to repent. Or this would be like uh, having somebody now, God saying, hey, I want you to go, in, a Christian, go into ISIS, and I want you to go over there and, and talk with them and tell them that I'm going to bring judgment on them. Like this was not an easy, it wasn't just, hey, go, go to Nineveh and have conversations about Jesus. Won't that show them the VeggieTales movie? Won't that be great about your life? You know, that, that's not what it was. This was a very challenging call. This was a very difficult call. This was something that would have been possibly meaning death for Jonah. You know, if you're Jonah, you could easily have been afraid that this could have meant your life. And Jonah would have obeyed God many, many, many times. But when God asked him to do something difficult, when God asked him to do something hard, when God asked him to do something that was not aligned with what his desires and his pursuits and his goals already were, it became disobedient. But what that means is this. It exposes what's really there. It shows what's really there. See, we can often think, you and me, we can often think, yeah, I love God and I obey God and I've done a lot of stuff that God has asked me to do and I've, I've been faithful in a lot of things that God has put before me and there's been a lot of times in my life that I said, God, I'm going to follow you and God, I'm going to walk with you. Yeah, I've, I've done that a lot of times. We can think that. And it, and it might be true even to a degree that we have said, God, I'll follow you and God, I'm a Christian and I'll go to church and I'll obey you and whatever. I mean, we, we can think that. But when God asks us to do something hard, it often shows us that our obedience is actually conditional. It's actually based on if I agree, or if I like it, or if it fits with the plans I already have. See, God asked Jonah to do something hard, and it exposed his heart. It exposed what was there. So think about this for you. What is this for you? When do you run from God? When do you avoid God? Are there things that God has said, that God has spoken? Not the way that Jonah receives it necessarily in this you know, voice from heaven, but as you've read the Bible or you've, you know what God's will is, or there's, are there things that he has said that you find painful that don't line up with your life? that are calling you out of your comfort zone, that are calling you to difficult people, that maybe challenges what you do with your time. Or maybe it challenges what you do with your money. Or maybe it challenges, maybe God says, hey, this isn't a good relationship for you to be in. Or maybe God says you need to forgive this person. Or maybe God says you need community and, and you really are scared of that. Or maybe it's that God, similar to Jonah, has has called all of us to share our faith and let people know who he is, but, but we find that hard, as Jonah did. Or maybe it's uh, that there's areas of serving people that you, you know that God demands from us that we love our neighbors and serve for them, but, but you don't want that. There's a lot of things that God could ask of you. There's a lot of things that God could say to you that you would willingly go, yes, I'll do that. But where is it? I think, man, I think probably most of us feel this in some way in our life. 
some, something that God has spoken. And again, I'm not talking about some divine voice, but in his word, the word he gives to us, something that God has spoken. And we say, okay, I'll do this, but I don't know about that. And it's when God says the difficult thing. It's when God says the stuff we don't agree with. It's when God says the stuff out of line with our plans that most actually reveal, here's where my heart is. When we run from God is when God says things to us that are difficult. This could be different for different people. What has God spoken to you? What has God spoken to you that maybe you say, yes, but not yet? Yes, but only a little bit, partly. Maybe I'll, I'll give a little bit and you give a little bit. What has God said that you go, oh, I need a second opinion? I think also another interesting thing that I find in talking with people is a lot of times people say that, man, I... I'm trying to understand what God's will is. And I'm, I'm, I, I want to hear from God on, on what he wants from me in this situation. Or I want to I know what God's will is about this. But I think, like Jonah, a lot of times the difficulty is not in the hearing. It wasn't difficult for Jonah to hear God. A lot of times we say, well, I'm just kind of confused. I'm not sure what God wants. I don't... But really, the difficulty is not in the hearing. The difficulty is in the responding, in saying, God, I want to do what you say. So here's the first question as we seek to understand the dynamics of running and avoiding God that oftentimes those of us that are religious, that are familiar with God, that are close to God, like Jonah, actually experience. And it's this. We run from God. We run from God when it's different from what we expect or want, or desire, or have planned when it's difficult. Where is this for you right now? I, don't, I can't, I mean, I gave you some examples, but I can't, you know, list out all the possibilities, a giant multiple choice test, and you pick the one. What is it? You, you probably already know things that God has spoken that you find difficult to say yes to. That's the first thing we need to understand. The second is this, where is it that we run from God? Where do we run? Jonah got on a boat and went to Tarshish. That's probably not where we run. But it says this about Jonah. It wasn't really that he was going to Tarshish. That's not the main point. The point is that it repeats several times in this chapter is that he was running away from the presence of the Lord. It wasn't so much about a destination physically that Jonah was trying to get to. It wasn't so much that Jonah said, hey, I'm in Israel, but I really need to get to Tarshish. It was that he wanted, as it says repeatedly, to get away from the presence of the Lord. And Jonah did that by getting on a boat and going to another state. And some of you maybe got on a car and came to another state to get away from the presence of the Lord. But there's a lot of ways that we get away from the presence of the Lord. And, and here, look, Jonah's not stupid. And you're not stupid. Logic would tell us, I can't get away from God. Jonah even says later that, you know, God is the God of the land and the sea, all the earth and all the sea. And Jonah would have known he couldn't have gotten away from God. Like, logically, there is no physical escape from God. Jonah would have known that. But what Jonah was trying to do was get away from the presence of the Lord. To get away from 
the, the word for the presence of the Lord is the same as the face of the Lord. He was trying to get away from, from God's face, God's presence. It wasn't so much a physical place Jonah was trying to leave as it was an emotional place, a relational place. We do this with other people in our life. Like if you're, in a, in, if you're married or you live with uh, roommates or friends, sometimes you get upset with people. And you go to another room or you go to another part of the house or you go outside or, you, or maybe you even go on a walk or you get in your car. And you, you know it's not like that person ceased existing at that moment. You know physically you haven't actually gotten away from them and that they're still a, a part of your reality. But what you're trying to do is relationally say, I, I just don't want to be around you anymore. There's something about you that's bothering me. There's something about your presence that I don't want to feel and experience. I don't like you right now. I don't like your character. I don't like who you are, and so I don't want to even see you. Some people like to fight and attack when, when they don't like someone. But a lot of people like to withdraw and just separate or ignore. Now, there's people probably in your life that maybe currently, but at least in the past, that you've withdrawn from or ignored. Like, I just don't want to see them anymore. Maybe even go on Facebook and hide, you know, all from this person. Or maybe you've seen them at the grocery store and you duck and you become, you know, really quick at dropping to the floor. Maybe not that dramatic, but who knows. But there's people in our life that because we don't like them, because there's something that they've done that's bothered us, offended us, we want to get away from their presence. Jonah's not stupid. He knows that, he knows that God is omnipresent. He knows he can't get away from him. But what he's wanting to do is relationally get away from God's face. Get away saying, God, get out of my face. He wants to leave the presence of the Lord. This is what sin is. Sometimes we think of sin as doing bad things, and it is that. But the core essence of what sin is, is to want to be away from God's presence. It's to want to turn away from God. It's to say in some way that I don't like you, God. I don't like what you're doing. I don't like how you're interrupting my life. I don't like how you haven't answered my prayers. I don't like how you have caused um, things to, to go in a way that is not what I expected. I don't like the challenging things you're saying, and so I don't want to be around you. Where we run doesn't necessarily mean it's a physical place, but it's to turn away from God's presence. I want my life my way. And God's messing with it. I want my desires and my happiness and my fulfillment. And God's messing with it. Where do you run? How do you get away from God's presence? If you have a boat, there's not a lot of people with boats in Denver, and you can't get very far if you have one. So you can't really do this, you know. You can drive around Sloan's Lake in a circle. <clears throat> but there's places that we do try to leave God's presence. Maybe you actually say, hey, I don't want to come to church anymore. Why? And there might be a lot of reasons, but part of it can be, I don't want to be reminded of who God is. I don't want to hear what God has to say. I don't want to feel God's presence. I don't want to take communion and be reminded of sin and that I need forgiveness. I don't want to sing songs that remind, I don't want to be around his presence. 
I want to be away from God's presence. And sometimes that's very conscious. Other times it's not. It's just, hey, I'm, you, you start to feel and experience that you are distancing yourself from where you most feel God's presence. This may be community group that you start to say, I don't really want to be there anymore. Because when I'm there, I start to experience God's presence. I start to feel that the things that, I, that I've disobeyed of God are coming back to the surface. And I don't, I don't, I'm not really happy with God right now. This can be that you stop praying. Maybe you've experienced a lot of times in your life where you've prayed a lot. But you begin to not pray anymore. Because you don't really want to be around God's presence. You don't want to pray to God and ask for peace. Because you don't want peace. You're upset about the situation. You don't want to pray to God and ask that His will would be done. And, and pray that He's your Father. And pray for forgiveness. Because you don't want that. You're upset with what He's saying and what He's doing and what He's calling to and the way that he has done things in your life. So you don't pray. You don't read the Bible. Or, or maybe it's, it's not so much the things that you don't do, it's the things that you start to do, and that you start to actually seek out other opinions more. You used to listen to God more. You used to love to read the Bible, or listen to sermons, or, or ask your Christian friends, but, but you start to say, you know what? I'm going to start listening to other voices, because I want to be away from anything about his presence. See, where we run from God isn't necessarily a physical destination. Jonah wasn't mainly going to Tarshish. He was going away from the presence of the Lord. He didn't, he didn't want to be near God. He didn't want to be reminded of who God was. This is active in our hearts, that disobedience, saying no to what God asks us to do, often then leads to distance of us saying, I don't want to be around you anymore. And sometimes this is just being disengaged. You know, you can be physically around a, a, another human being. You can be, be physically present with them, but very disengaged, right? You can be physically there and on your phone, or physically there and just not really listening or caring what they say. You can be physically there, but you're not emotionally there. That can happen with people, and the same thing can happen with God. Maybe Jonah could have stayed in, 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 uh, in uh, Israel. Jonah could have stayed there. He, but still left the presence of the Lord. Sometimes that's what we do. We're actually still here. We're still praying, still reading the Bible, but we actually are emotionally disengaged. We really still have these, these hands up, these walls up, where we're saying, I don't want to be near you and who you are. I don't like you. I don't like what you're doing. This is where we run. It's where Jonah ran if we want to understand what leads the most religious, most committed, most familiar with God. If we want to understand what could lead someone like Jonah to say, actually, God, I'm, I'm done. If we want to understand what could make someone like Jonah, who was a prophet, who verbally heard from God. If we want to understand what it is that we are in danger of, if we are Anything similar to Jonah of being familiar with God and close to God, what, what could actually make those kind of people miss God altogether? We need to understand the dynamics of what leads to running. and We run when things get difficult, when God says, I want you to do this. I want you to use your time or your money or your forgiveness in this way. And the place that we often run isn't necessarily physical, but it's a, I want to be away from your presence. Next thing is this, what happens when we run from God? 
What happens when we run? Here's what's interesting. You know what happens to Jonah when he runs from God? Opportunity. An open door. It says he goes down to the dock. Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. It just so happened. He, he goes down to the dock. He goes down to Joppa, and it just so happened there's an opportunity to get as far away from Nineveh as possible. So Tarshish was the opposite side of where Nineveh was, and it just so happened that there was an open door for Jonah. See, when we decide to run from God or avoid God, let me tell you this, there will always be opportunity. If you think an open door is from God, that is foolish. There was an open door for Jonah on this ship. It just so happened that there was a ship going the exact place that he wanted to go to. And Jonah would have gotten on that boat and felt a deep peace in his heart. And a lot of times, that's all, if you're a Christian, a lot of times for Christians, all we think we need to make decisions or to confirm the direction that we're going is an opportunity, an open door, and peace in our heart. But none of that is what the Bible leads us to make decisions. Jonah had been told what to do by God. What happens when he decided to run from God is there was an opportunity. There will, if you want to run from God, there will always be an opportunity. There will always be an opportunity. If you decide, I don't want to listen to what God has to say, I'm telling you, there will always be opportunity open to you. If you say, I don't want to do what God says about relationships, I promise you, you will find some great people that want to date you that you know you shouldn't be with. If you say, I don't want to do what God says to, you know, it's really hard for me to be honest about this situation. Maybe there's something at work and, and, and you have, you've covered something up. I promise you there will be opportunity to keep that covered. Something will come where, oh, this is the perfect opportunity. And you may feel deep peace in your heart. But open doors and peace are never what should guide our decisions. If you think peace in your heart is from God, maybe it is. There's a lot of people making a lot of bad decisions that are high, and they feel a lot of peace about it, right? I've never met a pothead that didn't feel a lot of peace. Never. They feel tons of peace, and they don't necessarily make the best decisions in the moment, maybe afterwards, but in the moment, people do a lot of stupid stuff, and they feel a lot of peace about it. Every person that ever put a lampshade on their head felt a lot of peace in that moment. Like, this is a good decision, right? There's an open door. There's a lamp right there. Sorry if I you know, was describing your weekend. <clears throat> like, I had so much peace. I thought it was from God. What happens when we run is there's always going to be opportunity. There will always be opportunity. Jonah found exactly what he's looking for. Everything fell into place for him. Here's what else happens when we run from God. We stop caring. We stop caring. It's interesting that there's this crazy storm going on, and they're fr the people up above are freaking out, right? And these are sailor dudes. Like, I don't know if you've ever been around, not like, you know, you wear boat shoes, sailor dudes, but like real, like fishermen, gruff dudes. Like, these guys are freaking out. And each of them, it says, is calling out to the different gods they have, and they're freaking out, and they're throwing stuff overboard. They're, I mean, these are like burly, you know, cuss like a sailor dudes. 
And what's Jonah doing? He's sleeping. He is sleeping. And they didn't have Ambien back then, right? He is just knocked out, chilling. Here's what happens when we begin to run from God. We stop caring. We stop caring. You can make decisions to say, God, I'm not going to listen to you. And maybe initially that's kind of difficult, but it gets easier and easier and easier. The first time you say no to God, it might be kind of hard. The first time you say that lie, it might be kind of difficult. But the more that you do it, it gets easier. It gets easier. It gets easier. The first time you create that fantasy in your mind that you're cultivating about another person that you want to be in a relationship with, it might be kind of feel gross, and it gets easier, and it gets easier. The first time that you steal a little bit, it might be kind of hard, but it gets easier. It gets easier. You stop caring. You stop caring about what you're actually doing, and you stop caring about others. Imagine this, Jonah's sleeping, and he knows, as we'll see in the story, he knows that this is God. He knows that the storms and the tempestuous seas attacking the boat is from God. It's it's ripping the ship to shreds. He knows it's God. He knows it's him that is risking all of those sailors' lives. He knows that. He doesn't care. Jonah, I don't know how many sailors there are. I don't know how many sailors it takes to run a ship like this, but probably at least eight. Uh, I just made that up, but I think it's probably true. It doesn't say that in the Bible. That's my guess, okay? But there's at least more than one. And he knows it's going to cost them their life. He doesn't care. When we start running from God, we stop caring. It gets easier and easier, and we stop caring about the effects on other people. A lot of times we even say this, and it's really not true, but we say something like, hey, as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else, it doesn't matter. But anything we do that is running from God does hurt somebody else. You may think that looking at porn doesn't hurt anybody else because it's just you and your computer. But it does. You're perpetuating an industry that's built on sexual abuse. That's hurting other people. You may think that it doesn't hurt anybody else that, that, you, that you're lazy. You may think it doesn't hurt anybody else that, that you're choosing, that you're choosing, um, that you're choosing to just kind of chill out, but there's people around you that need to be loved, people around you that need to be served. You may think it's not hurting anybody else that you don't tell people about Jesus, like Jonah specifically. But there's people that won't be able to enjoy a life with God. What happens when we run is there's opportunity, but it's also this. We just kind of stop caring. It gets easier and easier, and we fall asleep. It gets easier and easier, and there's effects on other people's lives, and we don't care. And the last thing that happens when we run is this. Eventually, we'll be exposed. And this is kind of just a warning, and I don't want to sound like uh, I'm going to try to drudge up a bunch of fear or something in you, but... But I can just promise you this. And the Bible says this. Jonah illustrates it, but, but the Bible says too, your sins will find you out. And so somebody here maybe needs to hear this. That when we sin, I can promise you, eventually you will be exposed. Eventually. 
watching a uh, Bernie Madoff uh, movie on TV last night. And he, I, don't, I think he was like 70-something when, when all that went down. Multi-billionaire dude, right? And eventually exposed. Seattle mayor right now, uh, that's where I'm from previously, Seattle mayor right now has been exposed from old documents in the past that he sexually abused the foster children he had. Exposed. Eventually, those are, you know, big, prominent news stories. But, man, I've, I can tell you numerous people that I've known that have had a lot of secrets in their life of affairs and adultery and pornography and and stealing money from their business and all sorts of things, eventually you will be exposed. My point in telling you that is this. It's better for you to reveal yourself than to have God do it. It's better for you to confess and come clean than to have God be the one that reveals you. It just is. And look, if that's not you, then great. Let it be a warning just for the rest of your life to know that our sins, it's better to deal with them than to cover them up. But probably somebody in here has something you're hiding. Something you're hiding and you think it will go away and it won't. It might take 10 years. It might take 20 years. It might take 40 years. It, you might die and get away with it. And then it will come out and your memory will be tarnished and your legacy ruined. But eventually you will be exposed. And it's always better to deal with it when God gives us opportunity than to hide it. Next thing is this. Final thing is, what does God do to runners? So we run from God. We, want, we run from God when God calls us to do something difficult. We run away from his presence. What does God do to runners? And here's what it says. He sends a storm. And maybe some of the havoc that is happening in your life, if you're experiencing that, is God. God sends a storm to, to utterly wreak havoc in Jonah's life. And if you are experiencing that, maybe that's from God. That doesn't mean that our troubles and our suffering is always from God. It doesn't mean that at all. But oftentimes, when we run from God, God will send stuff into our life to mess with the very things that we're seeking to use to get away from him. Jonah gets on a boat, God messes with the boat. We may sin with our money and God messes with our money. We may sin with our time and God messes with our time. A, a lot of times, God will do things to get our attention. C.S. Lewis, the great Christian author and thinker, said that in our, in our pleasure, we experience God's whisper, but in our pain, it's God's megaphone. God's saying, hey, I'm trying to get your attention. What does God do to runners? He often will send storms, but listen to this. It doesn't mean it's punishment. See, the storm is this raging, it uses this word, this raging, violent pursuit of God. That when we run from God, God runs after us. It's not when we run from God, God says, I'm going to get you. But it's when we run from God, he runs after us to pursue us and bring us back to him. See, this is what is beautiful. The storm stops 
when Jonah gets thrown in the water. But the storm doesn't stop because Jonah got his punishment. The storm stops because God got his Jonah. Don't you see that? Jonah gets thrown into the water and God stops the storm. But why? It's not because God says justice has been served. Jonah is dead. God gets Jonah with the fish. See, the storm is not God's punishment. It's God's grace. That God is saying, Jonah, I'm not done with you. Jonah, I'm coming after you. Jonah, you're turning away from me, but I'm turning towards you. And if you are someone that is running from God or has run from God or will run from God, which is what all sin is, God's heart is not fine. See you later. I didn't like you very much anyway. And God's heart is not, I'm going to come get you and kill you. God's heart is, I'm going to come get you and bring you back to me. See, God pursues Jonah. Jonah runs from God and, Jonah, and God runs after Jonah. With a storm. And when we see Jesus, Jesus is God's ultimate storm that pursues sinners. Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. The Bible teaches this, that while we were still sinners, God shows his love for us in this, that he sent Jesus while we're still running from him. One of the most famous verses in the Bible says, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. But then it continues and says this it's it god didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world god didn't send the storm to condemn jonah but to save the world you see jesus is god's true storm that runs after us if you're someone that is running from god jesus is god that has come to earth to run after sinners god could have sent a storm that destroyed the world because of our sin against him but instead god sent his son to pursue us, to save us, to rescue us, just like the fish. See, this is the amazing heart of God. This is what Jonah didn't understand about God. The amazing heart of God is that when we run from him, when we turn from him, when we go against him, God's posture is, I'm coming after you to make you mine. This is so different from us, right? When somebody offends you, when somebody wrongs you, isn't our normal posture to be, okay, fine. If you want to deal with it, then come and talk to me and you can deal with it. But it's not to say, you've wronged me, but I love you and I'm coming after you. That's not usually our posture. If somebody turns their back on us, we don't usually turn towards them. If somebody wrongs us and does injustice against us and says, I don't want to have anything to do with you, get out of my face, our posture is not usually, man, I love you. And I'm coming after you. And I want, I want us to be reconciled. But that is God's heart towards us as we see in this story and as we see most in Jesus. He comes after us. And look, Jonah didn't get this. That's why he said, hey, you know what? The only way to make this storm stop is for you to kill me. Jonah didn't understand God's heart. Jonah thought God's heart was, Jonah, you did something bad, I'm going to kill you. That was Jonah's understanding, and often our understanding of God. That when we wrong God, God is, is, is against us now. Jonah didn't get it. And oftentimes we don't get it. But what if Jonah had understood God's heart? 
What if he understood God's grace and God's kindness and God's compassion and God's heart towards sinners? What would happen if we did? See, when that happens, we begin to trust his character. And when we trust his character, when he calls us to obey in certain ways, it's not that it's easy, but we trust. I know you're good. I know you're the kind of God that pursues me and runs after me and isn't against me and is for me and sends your son because that's how much you're for me, even when I've been against you. That builds a trust in us to obey, to follow, to know that he's for us so that whatever he calls us to, even if it's to go to Nineveh, even when it's difficult, we go, but I know you're good. I know you're the kind of God that runs towards me when I run against you. Where would you be? Where would you be if you didn't run from God? Didn't avoid God? Trusted God's character that he really is this kind of God? That he is a God so for us? that he pursues us even when we run away, that he's a God so for us that he would come to this earth and have his body broken and his blood shed to forgive us of our running and to bring us into his family and to give us life with him as he was resurrected, that we have a God so for us. What would happen if our hearts really grasped that? Let's pray and we'll sing a few songs and we'll take communion and remember this truth about who God is, even to those of us that are runners. Father, thank you for this story that vividly illustrates truth about who you are, that gives us in picture form and story form your grace as a God that pursues, as a God that runs after. I pray as we uh, take communion and as we sing songs and as we reflect Lord, that you would use this now to stir in our hearts these truths. That we would trust you, believe you in deeper ways. And God, I pray that for anyone here that right now is running from you and knows exactly where that is, you've already pointed that out to them. I pray that there would be a turning towards you. That they would see that you are good and you can be trusted. And that we would receive forgiveness for the ways that we've run. Lord, would you help us now to experience that. In your name we pray.